Take your Bible, please turn to Mark chapter 10. What a blessing to just come before him this morning. I preached this message, I preached a message off this passage, I don't know how long ago. Uh, But you don't remember what I preached last week, and I don't either sometimes, so. But I'm going to preach a different take on this passage in verse number 17. One of the unique passages of the whole Bible to me. Verse 17 says, And when he was gone forth into the way, he is Jesus. When he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him. I told the men in the prayer room this morning about a streetwalker who came running off the street down in Mexico. The, the door of the church opened on the main street of Rio Bravo, and she was out there trying to sell herself on the streets. Somewhere in the middle of the message, she came running through that door down here and slid into home base down here in the altar. She broke up that meeting, but she got saved. And, And this passage reminds me of that day. Jesus is ministering as he goes. There came one running. I don't know if there's another instance in all of his ministry in Israel when somebody came running to him. But I want to say to you, there's an urgency in the air this morning. We've come in here to meet with him. He said, where two or three are gathered together, I'll be in the midst of thee. Whether you recognize it or not, he's here. And if I were you and outside of the grace of God, I'd run to him as quick as I could. You'll never be sorry. He came running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? He had a desire in his heart, wouldn't you say? Now the TV and the radio preacher say something like this. If you just got a desire and if you'll you'll just invite him in your heart, you'll be saved forever. Well, that's okay, but that's not all of it. There's a Holy Ghost that has to be involved. There's a new birth that only comes from God that has to happen. There's a repentant heart that must be exhibited. Look at this. I would say he's... Somebody, some of these guys would say right there, well, you're saved. Just get up from there and let's go on together. I've been there. I know. And Jesus said to him, why callest thou me good? 
For there's none good but one, and that is God. Jesus was not saying, not arguing about the goodness, his own goodness. But what he defined for this young man was, I'm either God or I'm not good. And if I am good, it's because I am God. And if I'm not God, you, you've run to the wrong place. If I'm not the Savior of the whole world, you're in the wrong spot. He said, there's just one good. He's going to say over in 14.6, there's just one way. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's what he was saying. Then he's going to say to his disciples, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and my Father are one. See, the Bible puts it all together for us. Verse 19, Jesus answering, Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered unto, and unto him, and Master, all these I have observed from my youth. Over in, over in Matthew, in the passage in Matthew, this young man says, what lack I yet? What, what more do I have to do? Friend, you can't do one thing. I mean, you can move mountains, but you, you cannot do one thing to make yourself righteous in the sight of God. You can't be baptized and make yourself righteous. You can't join a church and make yourself righteous. You can't quote scriptures and make yourself righteous. You can't just study and make yourself righteous. It'll take the work of Jesus Christ in your heart. He told the most sanctimonious of the zealot Jews, the Pharisees, you must be born again. Yes, sir. Well, that man could quote the whole law. That man, he said, I've kept the law from my youth up. But you must be born again. That word born again means born from above. It's a work that only God can do. It means a rebirth, a regeneration, a renew. Any man being Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. You can't do it. God does it. And Jesus, I love this. Here's a guy who is looking to himself as being devout and desirous. He wants to be 
You didn't have it. But he's so wrong. When he says, what lack I yet, you hear that self-righteousness yeah. twang in that? You can't be righteous. Right. I can't be righteous. He is righteous. Amen. But Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Could I say this to you, sinner, unsaved, you struggling and wondering and what I do next? Just trust him. He loves you. He loves you right where you are. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us. When I was unlovable, He loved me. Hey, all these times I've been saved over 70 years, all the, down through life, time after time I've been the self-righteous one. Time after time I've, I've disregarded Him and put my eyes on me. You know what He did? He loved me. Isn't that something? Jesus loved this. The reason I keep coming back to this passage is that little phrase right there. While he's yet a sinner, he loved him. While he's self-righteous, he loved him. While he's denying, he loved him. He said one thing that I like. Just one thing. It's a complete sellout. Give up yourself. Give up all you've got. And turn to me. That's what he said. Go thy way. Sell whatsoever thou hast. And give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. I got, a, I got to thinking about this treasure in heaven. Over in Matthew chapter 6. I want to go there. Several years ago, I picked up a little book, The Treasure Principle, written by Randy Alcorn. He wrote it off of these verses right here. Matthew chapter 6, Lay not up for yourself treasures on earth. I'm in verse 19. Where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. Here's the treasure principle. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You're in here this morning, you're not saved. You know why? You know why you're not saved? You're loving your things. What you do, your pleasures, your, your life here on this earth, more than you love Him. When you fall in love with Him, like He loves you, it won't be a problem to throw down everything you've got and go where He wants you to go and be what He wants you to huh? It won't be a problem. That's right. 
Brother C.R. had that calendar last year. The front page of it had a 1955 Power Pack Bel Air Chevrolet. I remember when I would have sold my soul for one of them. I didn't even like the picture on the paper anymore. I mean, there's something better. I've got something better. I never did get a 55 Chevrolet Power Pack Bel Air two-door hardtop V8. I never did get one. But I got Jesus. And it doesn't matter about the power pack. It doesn't matter. Hey, I'm, I'm happy for somebody that's got one. But I've got something better. So look at this. I'm back in Mark. One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, for thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come and take up the cross and follow me. If you trace this out in the Bible, Matthew 16, 24, Luke 9, 23, various verses, what Jesus said in that last phrase, come take up the cross and follow me. He only said that to disciples. He only said that to those apostles who were following him on the street. That's the only one he said. Paul said, I, I die daily. I, 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 Paul, I, Wayne Hudson, must die daily. I, I needed to die when I got up this morning. But if I do... He gives me life and life more abundantly. It's not more stuff. It's more life. It's life only He gives. And verse 22, the conversation is over. He was sad at that saying and went away grieved. For he had great possessions. My, my little outline I got wrote here on my margin. He was desirous. He was devout. He was in denial. And ever since that day, Jesus loved him while he's running away. Jesus loved him while he's gathering up his stuff. Jesus loved him while he's saying no to the only Savior. But by now, he's been at least 2,000 years in hell. Over in Luke chapter 16, that rich man said, "Just if we got his testimony, he'd say to you, over 2,000 years, I've just been wanting one drop of water. I had all the riches, but all I want is one drop of water. Oh, E.V. Hill was preaching that message, and he said something. He said, he said, I wondered for years why he just wanted one, what good would one drop of water do in hell? He said, I finally got it. One drop of God's water puts out all the fires of hell. 
It's living water. Think about this young man. He's the he's the he's the college. I, every once in a while, I I get around some of those Aggies. You can admire who you want to admire. I wouldn't give you ten cents for a long-haired, shaggy-haired, hippie college student. But when you get around those Aggies, it's high and tight, and they stand to attention. They'll stand to attention just for another touchdown. They'll stand there a whole quarter at attention just to say, I'm rooting for the Aggies. There's something about them. I get the picture of a of a Jewish Abbey Aggie here. I mean, he's got he could have had his uniform on. There's something about him that that makes you want to be around him. Something about him that is hey, when Jesus saw him, he loved him. That verse said. Verse 22 said, it's over. He was sad. He went away. He grieved. For he had great possessions. I want to preach on verse 22 this morning. You thought, I'm not, I hadn't been preaching, I'm just introducing. <laughs> I want to preach on three warnings. That we find in this young man's answer. Three eternal biblical warnings. You're going to have to answer for what you do with Jesus in this service today. I mean, you, I don't know what you came for. People come to church for a lot of different reasons. But he's here. And you will have to answer what you do with him today. And I want to show you three reasons that you need to give an honest answer. And I've got about ten minutes to do it. So, of course, first of all, is a warning against the perils of riches. I'll just give you some short things I wrote down. Riches fill us with a sense of self-sufficiency. Doesn't it? I mean, it's a lot easier to trust Jesus when you've got a need in your life than it is when your pockets are full and everything's fine. I know we don't have rich people here, but in the eyes of this world, you're rich. It doesn't take much to be rich. Some of you have spent all morning wondering what we're going to eat for lunch. Something around 100,000 people will starve to death today in this world. 
and two-thirds of the world could live on the scraps that you'll have left over after you eat lunch. That makes you rich. Don't get caught up in who you are and what you've got. Keep looking to the loving Savior and see your need of Him. Yes. You need Him. Yes. There's things that money can buy. Money can buy position, honor, service, status, and all manner of material. It'll buy a 1955 Bel Air power, power pack hard top. But the treasure principle said, lay up treasures in heaven. Jesus said, come take up your cross. Uh, no, uh, uh, he said in verse, uh, the previous phrase, thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Give it all away. Give your life away. Give who you are away, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And you can follow me. That rich man over in Luke, Luke chapter 12, uh, he said some things. In, in that passage in Luke 12, the rich man said, and he thought within himself. That caught my attention yesterday, and I underlined personal pronouns. If I got it right, there's 12 personal references to himself in the next three verses. In fact, he was so personally inclined, remember, he said, I know what I'll do. I'll say to my soul, I'll build, I'll build new barns, and I'll put my goods in my new barns, and I'll say to my soul, and the bell rung in heaven. He said, I'll say to my soul, Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Eat, drink, and be merry. Remember? And God said, Thou fool. You don't own your soul. I own your soul. I'm in charge of your soul. The fool has said in his soul that there is no God. You don't own today. Your breath is a gift of God. Every day is a gift of God. He owns the days of our life. I don't have time to preach that message. He said... Give us wisdom. The psalmist said, give us wisdom, Psalm 90, that we may number our days. Every day, every day, every day, every day. How many days have you said no to him? How many days have you, like this rich young ruler, turned aside from him to go chase your stuff? 
Jesus did not say that rich men can't go to heaven in that passage. What he says is you can have all this stuff here or you can have eternal life. That's what he was saying. And most people who have the stuff here have a hard time turning it loose. I've got another message on Peter on the things we give away. How we could be blessed by what we give away. Remember Peter had to leave his boats, the fishing nets, everything. But when he followed Jesus, he lost his pride, lost his self-sufficiency. He became the humble man of God and was used like probably no man's ever been used on that day of Pentecost. So there's a warning against the peril I mean you can have all the money in the world still be saved. But, the, but over there in Timothy, he said, it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. Yes, sir. All this junk in Washington today, it's, it's money. Power, money. It's the root of evil. Well, it's not only in Washington, it's on the streets of our, our neighborhoods. And there's some of you guys that got your eye on what you're going to have here. Don't lose sight of him. That's the warning. Secondly, there's a warning. I've already mentioned this and talked about it. 1920, he said, what lackest I yet? Can you see this little smart aleck? I was in a Bible class with the great Adrian Rogers in Memphis one time. There was about 50 preachers there, and there was a 30-year-old doctor. And Dr. Rogers had given us opportunity to ask any question we wanted to ask. And here's this little smart aleck. I mean, there's preachers all over that room with 50 years' experience. I had socks older than that preacher was. And he stood up and says, Dr. Rogers, I wish you'd just tell me exactly how you get a message. Dr. Rogers, the great preacher, the great man of God that he was. He said, well, son, he stood there a minute, thought about it. He said, son, I just find me a text like you do. And when I get a text, I study out the words in that text like you do. When I've studied a little while, I begin to write stuff on paper like you do. Well, to get a bunch of stuff on paper, I go back through and try to simplify it. 
like you do. And then I go back through and I try to simplify it. And then I go back through and I try to simplify it. He said, when it gets so simple, I'm ashamed to preach it. Then I preach it. The little doctor sat down. I don't think he understood any of that. But that's the real truth. I mean, if I, my whole job is to take these verses and chew them up, get the flavor, and try to transfer some of it to you this morning. I've studied two days on this thing now, on these three principles. The second principle was we don't know it all. And there's a danger in presuming that we have too much knowledge. This little, this little Pharisee thought he had all the answers. He didn't have the answers. He was standing in front of the answer. You see it? You don't have all the answers. I don't have, hey, God humbled me this morning and broke my heart. I needed it. He's here. You don't know more than he knows. That Bible is the book of knowledge. Don't argue with the Bible. It's the Word of God. There's no mistake. Somebody said, well, I just think. Well, he didn't care what you think. He's already said what he thinks. Your knowledge won't get you there. Your humble heart. He that being often reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed in that without remedy. You can harden your neck, but there's no remedy for it. If you want help, you're going to have to have an humble heart. If you don't have Jesus, if you don't have that Holy Spirit stirring and moving, you'll never have an humble heart. It's only as He works in us that we can even approach. But think about it. I can come boldly to the throne of grace. Obtain mercy and grace to help in every hour of need. I can cry, Abba, Father, and He'll hear me. Not because of who I am, but because of who He is. You see it? All I can do is humble myself and claim the name of Jesus again. He's the Savior. I'm going to have to get on with it. I'm, I'm finishing. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm through. <laughs> Salvation comes one way. I want you to look at one verse. I've got a dozen verses. Salvation comes one way over at 2 Timothy chapter number 1, verse 12. You don't, need, don't have to go there. I'm just reading one verse. 
He said, I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, a teacher, and for the which cause I also suffer these things. Paul, by this time, Paul's in prison. By this time, Paul's been, been beaten and, and uh, punished severely. He said, that's what I suffer for. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep those things that I have committed unto him against this day. This day. Hey, see that see a rich young ruler going down the road weeping, broken, destitute of soul. Here's Paul laying in the Mamertine prison, and he said, I'm I put it all in his hands against this. What day are you talking about, Paul? That day when you lay me out right here. When you roll old Paul in without a head and the body's here but the spirit's already at home with the Lord I have committed it against that day have you come have, have you understand when you get when you get saved you get hey you you immediately become the son of God a ladies feminist the daughter of God I, that's an inside joke. You immediately become there. Your life is gone, but your eternal life has just started. And that new life, hey, that death day has no, no power over that day. last warning is against presuming on God. See, this young man was almost saved. He was as close as anybody who ever went to hell was. He stood face to face with the only Savior. And Jesus said, "You just, if you just do this, if you'll just give up yourself and Put yourself in my care. I'll save you forever. That's exactly what he's saying right now to every person in this room. Right. All he's asking you to do is give him yourself. He'll do all the rest of it. He'll earn heaven. He'll he'll uh, wash you from your sins. He'll he'll hey, he's got more mercy than you've got sins. He can handle anything you bring to Him. And you'll come out on the other side of winter. He bowed, he heard the invitation, and he turned away. He made an eternal choice. I don't have time to go there, but over in Hebrews chapter 3, he said, 
I've got a whole passage here, but he said, Exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. That TV set will pour the deceitfulness of sin on you. Those, those video games will pour the deceitfulness of sin on you. All this stuff around the first of the year, the Super Bowl, uh, the Golden Globes, or whatever they call it, and uh, I, I, you know what it's doing? Pouring the deceitfulness of sin on people. Look over here. Everything's good here. Look over here. All this stuff we got over here. Everything's okay over here. No, it's not okay. It's filthy and wicked and abomination. And God says it's appointed us once to die and after death the judgment for our sins. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast. While it's said today, 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 this first Sunday in 2024, hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. That passage talks about the hardening of heart in almost every line. He was talking to Jews that had walked away from God and lost their nationality and lost their land and lost their generations because they hardened their heart at the promise of God. The preacher in Austin one time from Czechoslovakia, no, it was uh, Romania. He'd spent 20-something years in prison for preaching the gospel. While he was in prison, his wife raised his children, and one of his boys surrendered to preach and became the pastor of the same church while he was in prison. He wrote a book, and he was had it there. I've got it in my shelf somewhere now. The title of the book is A Path Not Lined With Roses. What I'm preaching to you this morning is not happy, happy, happy. It's not that. That guy in Houston may tell you he's going to never bring any rebuke on you and never try you and ne never, you never shed a tear. I want to say if Paul suffered, if Jesus suffered, if those three Hebrew children suffered, you and I would expect we'd have, must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize while sailing through bloody seas? Well, of course not. The moment you get saved, the devil's your enemy. And there'll be a battle. But here's the good part. He has said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And in every battle, he's the victor. When I've got him with me, I can win any battle. When I've got him with me, I can get over any 
sorrow. When I've got him with me, there's nothing that can come against me to conquer me. He's the winner. But that boy with all his money and all of his goodness and all of his abilities is still suffering in hell today because he rejected the only Savior. Would you stand? I want to pray with you and then our invitation will start. While heads are bowed, would you, would you pray with me? Father, I ask you to have your way right now. Oh God, Lord, how unworthy we are of you and how inadequate we are of this thing we call life. Every day is a mistake. Every day there's sorrow. James said we fall into diverse temptations. But oh God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that you come where we are and you love us, even when we're sinners. And we don't earn anything. It's all a gift. I pray, God, you'd help us to see it out of our heart. We stand before the Savior this morning. And the question is, will we hang on to who we are? Or will we reach to him? And let him save us with an everlasting salvation. Change us from death to life and sorrow to joy for all eternity. And live in us and be with us from here on out. Lord, help us to consider it. Help us to face up to who we face. We need you. Lord, we need you. We need you every hour. We need you this hour. Please take charge. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. While we bow and while Brother Earl sings, why don't you come right now? God spoke to your heart. Don't throw away. I don't know what your need is. Can you give it to him? Can you turn yourself to him? Will you let him have complete control? Come on, don't, don't wait on somebody else. This is your time. It doesn't matter what you got.
look here. I just want to get one thing. Hey, this message, I did everything I could to keep from preaching it. God wanted it preached here this morning. I believe that with all my heart. Somebody right here is at the decision point where that young ruler was at. God's saying, come, and you're saying, I've got something I want. I don't know if it's salvation point. It may be church membership. It may be a surrender of life. It may be a call to, to ministry. I don't know what it is. But somebody here is at a decision point in your life. Please look to the Savior and trust Him with whatever it is. You'll never be sorry. He'll love you and help you every day of your life. We're going to sing one verse. It's up to you what you do. six o'clock tonight and who knows Lord might show up he said he would I wouldn't want to miss it when he does something spectacular here would you he met with us this morning all morning thank God for, for the privilege of being in his presence today Come ahead, Brother Earl. Visitors, let these people shake your hand now. Amen. A couple of things real quick before we dismiss. Ladies Ensemble at 445. No choir practice. Worship service tonight at 6 p.m. We look forward to seeing you this evening. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your many blessings and your love and your mercy. God, we thank you for this message we've heard this morning. God, we pray for those whose hearts are dwelling on and they're thinking about those words that were preached and that were spoken this morning. God, we pray that you might deal with the hearts, Lord, whatever decisions might need to be made, that you might be in the midst thereof, and God, that you might just draw them unto yourself. And God, just help us as we leave this place, Lord. Keep us safe. Lord, give us a good afternoon. We watch over our young folks during their activity. Lord, bring us back at the next appointed time. We'll be careful to give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. For it's in Jesus' name.